Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures again with us as we investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. I wonder if you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, what exactly is the Christian Gospel? What did Jesus challenge his audiences to believe as the saving message, the Gospel or good news? What did Jesus mean by the phrase so often found on his lips, the kingdom of God? When did you last hear a preacher or evangelist invite you to repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God, as Jesus invited his audiences to do in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15? This issue of the kingdom of God is not a peripheral one. It's central in the teaching of Jesus and therefore central in the Christian faith. Our impression is that most people, when asked to define the gospel, will say that it means the death of Jesus for our sins and his resurrection. And, of course, that is absolutely true as far as it goes. But does that definition of the gospel as the death and resurrection of Jesus go far enough? Now, one must be very careful not to take isolated verses in the writings of Paul to substantiate a gospel which actually leaves out the central message of Jesus about the kingdom. For example, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 3, Paul said that what he preached to the people in Corinth was that Jesus died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he rose again from the dead, according to the Scriptures. And he then urged them to stay with that saving gospel message. But we should notice carefully that Paul said that he preached these things among things of first importance. That was not the whole and total definition of the gospel according to Paul. The death and resurrection of Jesus, of course, are absolutely central. If Jesus has not risen from the dead, then there is no Christianity. There is no forgiveness of sins. But Paul preached these things, as he said, among matters of first importance. In the Greek, en protis, as our modern Greek friends will pronounce those words, En protis, among things of primary importance. Paul did not say that the death and the resurrection of Jesus was the totality of the gospel. Now, if he had said that, he would have denied the fact that Jesus preached the gospel for a long time without mentioning a single word about his own death and resurrection. Those facts about the death and resurrection of Jesus were added later. But Jesus and the apostles themselves preached the gospel about the kingdom of God to the people and urged them to repent and believe in that gospel message about the kingdom. And that was long before and in the absence of any mention of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Does that mean then that there are two different gospels? A gospel about the kingdom of God preached by Jesus to the Jews and then a gospel about the death and resurrection of Jesus preached by Paul to the Gentiles after the death and resurrection of Jesus? Well, certainly not. There's only one gospel, and it's the gospel about the kingdom of God. That simple fact can be proved by starting at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and going right to the end of the book of Acts. If you will carefully look up the kingdom texts appearing from the beginning of Mark to the end of the book of Acts, you will find a complete simplicity and consistency in the label which is attached to the gospel, namely the gospel concerning the kingdom of God. 
Paul in Acts 28 verses 30 and 31 welcomed the people and testified about the gospel of the kingdom of God. And Jesus from the beginning of his ministry in Mark chapter 1 testified to God's gospel about the kingdom of God and urged repentance and belief in that gospel. Now, why is this issue so important? Well, it's essential for Christians to be united on the central message of Jesus. And that message is defined so precisely and carefully for us that there's no reason for us to be in disagreement on this basic issue. Now, when Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God and said that it was at hand, he was using the same language as the prophets had used in the Old Testament when they announced that the day of the Lord, the coming day of judgment, was at hand, and they urged people to be ready for that great day. In exactly the same way then, Jesus, when he came into Galilee, announced the coming of the kingdom. He didn't say that the kingdom had come. He didn't say the kingdom is here. He said that the kingdom is near. And there's a very great difference between those two things. If you will trace the kingdom statements through the Gospel of Mark, you'll find that the kingdom of God did not come in the ministry of Jesus because Joseph of Arimathea, in Mark 15, verse 43, is still waiting for the kingdom of God. And that was after the death of Jesus. And so you see, Mark's idea, as he reports Jesus' ministry, is that the kingdom of God is the great event lying in the future. Of course, the kingdom of God did not come at Pentecost. Some have been led to think that at the ascension, the outpouring of the Spirit meant the inauguration of the kingdom of God. But that cannot be for the following reason. In Acts chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, we have an absolutely critical discussion about the issue of the kingdom between the disciples and Jesus. And these were the last words that Jesus ever spoke to the disciples before ascending to the right hand of the Father. In Acts 1, verse 5, Jesus said that the apostles were going to be imbued and empowered with the Spirit of God in a few days' time. Now, in Acts 1, 6, the reaction to that remark by the disciples was, Has the time now come, then, for the restoration of the kingdom, for the beginning of the kingdom? Now, notice carefully Jesus' reply to that question. Jesus said nothing at all about whether the kingdom was going to be restored. It was only a question of when that was going to happen. It was assumed by the question and by Jesus' answer that the kingdom of God will indeed be restored. The question that Jesus answered was, will the kingdom of God be restored now at this time? And his reply was simply this, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which God has placed in his own authority. In other words, the kingdom of God is not coming now. What is coming in a few days' time is the Spirit. But the kingdom of God will indeed come in God's good time. Now, what those verses show us in Acts 1, verses 5 to 7, is that the coming of the Spirit in a few days' time is not the same as the event of the coming of the restoration of the kingdom. That's going to happen at a time unknown whereas the Spirit is going to come in a few days' time. Now, that's a key to understanding the rest of the New Testament, because the kingdom of God is the great event to be expected at the second coming. That's why we're praying, Thy kingdom come. That's why Jesus said that one day 
the disciples would see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. That's why he said that he would not again eat from the communion bread or drink from the communion wine until it is fulfilled in the future kingdom of God. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.50 that flesh and blood, that's to say a human being as presently constituted, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, he has to be changed in the resurrection event, transformed into an immortal person at the resurrection. Only then can one enter the kingdom of God or inherit the kingdom of God. So we should keep the kingdom of God then as the designation of that great event associated with the second coming of Jesus. And of course, as we know, the second coming of Jesus has not occurred. And therefore, the kingdom of God has not properly begun. We'll find that in Revelation 11, verses 15 to 18. It's only at the last trumpet, when that angel blows the seventh trumpet, that we can fairly say that the kingdoms of this world will have then become the kingdom of God. It's at that point in the future that God begins to reign. The inauguration of the kingdom of God takes place at the second coming and at the seventh trumpet in Revelation 11, verses 15 to 18. Now, you may be saying, why is this so important? Well, the gospel, as Jesus preached it, the saving message has to do with the kingdom of God. It's not unreasonable, then, that we should search out the meaning of the kingdom of God. If Jesus, when he gave his first command, tells us to repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, our response would surely have to be, well, what is the kingdom? I need to know what the kingdom of God is if I can respond to that first commandment of Jesus to repent, to change my mind, that is, and to change my life in order to believe in the gospel about the kingdom. And so the kingdom is the heart and the center of what Jesus brought to his audiences as the saving message. I've been mentioning a number of times that in Matthew 13:19, Jesus gave this remarkable piece of instruction. He said that when anybody hears the message or gospel about the kingdom of God, the devil is there to snatch away the message which has been sown in his heart. And Luke adds in Luke 8:12 an extra piece of information. The devil is there to snatch away the message of the kingdom which has been sown in his heart so that he may not believe it and be saved. And so surely then Jesus makes an intelligent reception by faith, an intelligent reception of the kingdom of God, an essential part of the beginning of discipleship. It's when people come to a knowledge of that truth of the gospel of the kingdom that they're beginning on the road that leads to the kingdom of God to be inherited at the second coming of Jesus. Here are a couple of points that you'll find useful in your study. Nowhere in the New Testament does it say that Christians have already inherited the kingdom. In one passage in Colossians 1.13, Paul talked about Christians having been transferred into the kingdom of the Son. That's to say they've moved from the sphere of the devil into the sphere of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But in the very same book, in Colossians 3 and verse 24, Paul still sees the inheritance as something which we're going to get in the future. He talks about us going to receive the reward of our inheritance. 
And inheritance always means the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And so, although we've been transferred in a different sense into the kingdom, it remains a fact that no text in the New Testament tells us that Christians have already inherited the kingdom. They're heirs of the kingdom, certainly. They're waiting for the kingdom, Mark chapter 15, verse 43, but they've not yet inherited it. In fact, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's utterly impossible, then, for a human being in his present constitution to have inherited the kingdom. He can receive the spirit of the kingdom. He can accept the message of the kingdom. He can accept Jesus by accepting the teaching of Jesus. He can receive the down payment of the Holy Spirit now. But the inheritance of the kingdom of God itself must await the time of the second coming. We would encourage you to investigate these verses carefully in your own Bible study. Check them in the context in which they are found. That's to say these various passages to do with the coming of the kingdom in the future and the inheritance of the kingdom. We've been giving you some very basic and fundamental, pivotal verses on which our understanding of Jesus' message depends. I have a book that I've authored myself on the kingdom of God. I'd be happy to send this to you. Just call us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. In the book, I go through many of the topics that we've been discussing on the program here. I'm trying to set the kingdom of God, Jesus' favorite topic, in its Jewish first century context. In this way, we'll be able to hear Jesus sympathetically in his Jewish environment. Join us again as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.